smoking on gas, got me slung. Chasing Z's, chasing Z's. I've been high up off my ass. Magic beans, magic beans. Flying solo, Mr. Dolo. What you mean? What you mean? I'm controlling major time. Do you read? Do you read? Smoking on gas, got me slung. Chasing Z's, chasing Z's. I've been high up off my ass. Magic beans, magic beans. Flying solo, Mr. Dolo. What you mean? What you mean? Every day, never take a break, killing myself. Addicted to the gold, only focused on wealth, still slide. To my nine to five, just to buy the time till I'm on the rise. Blasting off, I'm not asking off. This ain't frat rap, tell the haters, fuck off. I'm shining, so blinding. As a vibe, got no diamonds, bro boy. Got nothing in my wallet, spend all my green on the green quite often. Still flawless, stand taller. Say fuck it to me, face calling. Time to ride the wave, override the shade. Inhale the haze, have a lovely day. Bizarros, this is guys, and welcome to another episode of Bizarro Aficionado. I don't know if you can hear it, but there is this excavation crew right outside the window. Of course there is, right? Of course there is. No idea what they're doing other than tearing our parking lot to shit, but that is what's going on, and I'll try and get as much of that washed out of the uh, final product as possible. But so how's everyone doing? What's going on? Still 2020. Still crazy times. And happy Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th isn't weird enough. It's Friday the 13th in 2020. One can only uh, imagine what to expect on a Friday the 13th in this crazy ass year. But we have a great show coming up. So uh, this is a guest that I was in my top five I really want them guests of all time, and uh, so I'm really excited to get to talk to him. I talked to him over on uh, Project Archivist uh, podcast, and uh, we had a great time. So, you know, I had to jump on that opportunity, and please, please come over to my tiny little show. So, Jason Offit is here, and uh, we'll talk more about him when I do his intro into the... Uh, and uh, you're really going to like it. We're going to talk about some really spooky shit. So... Uh, Buckle up and uh, hang on there, and we're going to have a really good time. And try and enjoy your Friday the 13th. And uh, I'll see you on the other side. Oh, welcome back, Bizarros. After a little bit of uh, craziness here, as power went out and then back on, and then 
computer crashed and now that's back and weird things happen when I talk to Jason. I'm telling you. <laughs> but we won't blame poor Jason. Thank you. How are you, sir? I'm doing doing terrific. I'm I'm doing better than you are this morning. Sorry. I <laughs> Didn't we go through this on when we were talking on uh Rose show? Yeah, I th I believe yeah, we did. Oh my goodness. I I have my suspicions, but we will not speak of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jason Offit writes books. This is infinitely better than what his father trained him to do, which was to drink beer and shout at the television. We may have had the same dad. <laughs> uh, he's best known for science fiction, such as his end-of-the-world zombie novel, Bad Day for the Apocalypse, a curious work that doesn't include zombies. His paranormal nonfiction, like Chasing American Monsters, that does. And his book of humor, How to Kill Monsters Using Common Household Objects. He teaches university journalism, cooks for his family, and wastes much of his time writing time trying to keep the cat off his lap. You can find out more about Jason at his website, www.jasonoffit, that's O-F-F-U-T-T, dot com. And there is no pictures of his cat, Gary, and it serves him right. It serves every Gary right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we were a sketchy lot. Yeah, 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 I know. Uh, are you sketchier than Randy's? I don't know. Yeah. But I try. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I tell my kids. Just whatever you want to do, just try. Just try That's it. That's it. Try and be best. Be best. If you're you're best at being sketchy. That's that's well, you're best at something. At best, yeah, hundred percent. So you have a new book out. Yes, uh, it came out in uh, came out in June. So you had to build a time machine. It's uh, it's a novel, uh, well, about time and dimensional travel, and um, it's full of all sorts of nerdy silliness. And that's the best. And D and D. So that you had me at D and D. Yeah. <laughs> but this was a really fun book, and I, I I hope you take these characters on into a sequel. Well, and you know, I'm I'm, I'm thinking thinking of that. Um, because I did, I did science fiction with this one, uh, and I, I loved all, all of my main characters. But what I was, you know, doing with the book is throwing out as many sci-fi, um, um, you know, time travel tropes as I could and make make fun of them. And I could easily do that with uh, with ho the horror genre uh, and the fantasy genre as well. So I, I think there's a couple more sequels waiting on, uh, you know, so you had to build a time machine. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Cause I don't think I have had that much fun reading a book since, th you know, like, um, uh, I always go blank. Everything, all systems are shutting down today, Jason. <laughs> but, uh, oh, 42, don't forget a towel. Right. Uh, Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide. Guide. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not, big praise. That's huge praise. It is. It's so much fun and it's such an adventure that people should run out right now and buy it. I'm telling oh. you right now, you will not be you will not be sad. <laughs> you will be so happy you bought this book. But uh, you also talk about uh, some spooky stuff. So we I thought I would drag you in here on the show, kicking and screaming, to uh, talk of some spooky things here on Friday the thirteenth in twenty twenty. What could go wrong? What well, nothing? Well, obviously uh, your your uh, entire <laughs> system could go wrong. <laughs> right. Oh my God! Of course they picked today to do whatever in God's name they're doing outside my window out there with excavators and tearing up the pavement and 
I don't know what they're looking for. It's not even near a house. It's way off in a corner somewhere. So I, I, I feel like I'm in falling down. I'm like, what's wrong with the road? <laughs> what a movie. Oh, my God. Such a great movie. <laughs> so that's uh, Chasing Monsters, another one of my favorites of yours. And in Chasing Monsters, you talk about giant human skeletons in Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Missouri. I, I've definitely heard that the the, the, the the giant skeletons being found, but I had no idea about you know it being in Pennsylvania and Missouri as well. Well, yeah, right. I think uh, the the ones in Arizona are uh, are are the ones that get have gotten the most most uh, attention, but. Uh, Giant skeletons have been have been found in uh, well, actually in more places than that. Those are just the ones I I I, uh, I wrote in my book. Um, a lot of them have been found in in Indian mounds in, in American mm-hmm. Indian mounds, um, and and they've all you know surprisingly been been similar. I mean, eight feet tall, approximately eight to nine feet tall, uh, double rows of teeth. Uh, some had horns. And some had remnants of uh, of red hair. Hmm. Yeah, and and that's uh, you know similar for Pennsylvania. I think there were some found in in Kentucky maybe as well. Um, and and that's you know similar to the ones in uh, in in Arizona. That's uh, kind of the descriptions we've heard from uh, you know legends of uh, of giants in in other places other than other than America. Right. Yeah, I the ones in 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 Missouri. Um, uh, I was contacted a few years ago by someone who, who read read my story uh, about the Missouri ones um, and was going to go looking for them. Here, here's the, the story about right. this. Um, and, and this was in, in the New York Times uh, back in the 1800s. Apparently, in, in the small town of Moberly, Missouri, uh, there were coal mines all over this state. And, um, you know, back in the day and, and, you know, they were mining, uh, doing, doing some coal mining and broke into a cavern. And this cavern apparently, um, according to the story had, had, you know, fountains and buildings and, and there mm. were tools still sitting around of, of enormous size and, and skeletons, uh, of people who oh. had to be at least eight feet tall. And, the, the the story said that the, that the people who went down there were planning on going back and and doing some more more scouting, but um, yeah, there weren't any there weren't any follow up stories, so I don't know where that where that went. And uh, I've tried to contact the people who were looking for that cave and and uh, you know in the past few years, and they won't respond to me. So huh. ooh, maybe they're lost. I mean, maybe they are lost. Maybe we should go look for them. Yeah. Oh my God! Now, are they connected to? There was a mysterious culture that uh, was originally in the St. Louis area way before St. Louis, and you know if it's connected with that culture? I think they call them the. It was the Mississippian culture, Mississippian mound builders, or something of that sort. Right? Was that the uh, the, the the culture that built uh, that built the the you know earthen pyramid? Uh, yes, St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I I really really don't know, but you know when it comes to to stories of giants, and, and I'm gonna throw uh, I'm gonna throw Bigfoot and ghosts. And, oh yeah, and um, you know dragons. Even I'll throw those in there. All of these all of these you know paranormal entities are talked about all over the world. Right, and, and they're in the legends of uh, you know if 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 
if our history is right, which, I mean, we don't know everything, of course, but if it was right and we were not connected from continent to continent, which I'm, you know, I have some doubts, but if, if it was, all these ancient cultures had the same stories. How did yeah. that happen? You know, there's, there, I mean, I can kind of understand the, the giants, you know, stories of people that are just big, but, uh, it's too many coincidences, I think, for, for there not to be something behind it. Oh, I agree. It's like the flood and several other things where you see that throughout cultures and throughout sections of the world that you have to believe there's some sort of truth there. Something had to happen because if it didn't happen to them, they wouldn't be writing about it. Right. And that's one of the things that that that, you know, uh, you know, we're 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 so we're so damn smart, you know, to, yeah. <laughs> that we discount all, all the ancient stories. We discount all, yeah. all these legends and. So, you know, a lot of times we find out that these people were right. Oh, yeah. yeah why, why do we just automatically assume that, that things don't exist? And, and let me throw this in a, in a cryptozoological, the, the cryptozoological realm is that, you know, we heard, uh, Western science heard that, you know, about the gorilla, you know, the mountain right. gorilla. And we heard about, um, the, uh, what looked like a cross between a uh, a zebra and a giraffe. We heard, you know, mm -hmm. the Okapi. We heard about right. the giant pandas, and we dismissed all of that as local legends until, you know, we found them. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, but listen to people who I know, I, care. We're so arrogant. You know, everyone else had to be, you know, living in dirt and, you know, eating with sticks until, you know, the Industrial Revolution or something. And it's so ridiculous. I mean, when you start finding technology, you know, batteries in Iran and the Antikythera mechanism and things like that, they're showing that they had a far more advanced understanding of science and astronomy in the world. And then it was all lost. I think that's what's hard for people to, to fathom is that you could have this much technology and it was lost. And then people get scared. Could that happen to us? Yeah, well, and absolutely it could. Yeah, and another one yeah. on top of that. Well, the Antikythera mechanism is mind-boggling. It is. Um, but let's let's look at the, the the Romans. The Romans, you know, their structures. They've got bridges and aqueducts that are still, oh yeah, there, still operational, and they used concrete. They yeah, we lost concrete. We did. We did. And to this day, they're not able to figure out why their concrete, after thousands of years, is still curing. Right. And it's... I'm looking out my my office window right now at concrete that's that's chipped and yeah. and broken, and it'll have to be replaced. And you know, yeah. we've got two thousand year old concrete from the Romans still right, still in great shape. And I, I think that's we're going to find that with a lot of these phenomenons. Is it? it's going to end up being science that we just don't fully understand. You know, there's, there's going to be instead of just, Oh, they're legends, they're folklore. There's going to be a fragment of truth out there somewhere. Right. Right. And, uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of things are probably still waiting for us in, in, in India and, and China, oh, yeah. because I mean, those civilizations are what, four or 5,000 years old. Sure. And so, I mean, they, they, you know, I, I'm kind of, I wouldn't be too surprised if, you know, in India, the, a, a Vimana was unearthed at some point. 
Oh, absolutely. You you look in the Vedas and you see the flying machines. You you learn about the war with I forget who it was, but the the great global war almost like with sky people or something and then I think they even kind of talk about what we would understand as a nuclear event happening. Then you have areas and I forget the name of them that are actually showing thousands of years of decayed nuclear material, um, atomic material that was almost as if a bomb had gone off in that area. And you wonder what really happened, and we'll never know. Yeah, you know, yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Well, and there are, uh, you know, places in in deserts around the world. Uh, yes. That are glass. <laughs> oh yeah, right, 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 right. How did how how would that have happened? Happened, Naturally, right? I don't know. I don't know, and I definitely want to go find. I have to do a little more research on the PA skeleton see if i can find where they are knowing pa like i do it has to be close to pittsburgh anything interesting (laughs) in pa seems to be close to pittsburgh i don't know what that is all right i'll uh yeah i'll have to look into that as as well you know the let me i'm i i love science i'm a science guy i just you know uh, whenever things uh new discoveries just light me up um yes but the and, and I kind of understand this. Science seems to be way too stodgy. We know that this happened this way. Well, we don't know that this happened this way. There yeah. was a, uh, an, an anthropologist uh, at a university in Mexico. I can't remember her name, but I, and I think this was back in the 70s, maybe the early 80s. And she found uh, evidence of a. Uh, of, a, of a of a culture of, a, of a, at least a, a village, and she dated it at at forty five thousand years. Well, I mean, she wow. was laughed, you know, absolutely laughed at because that didn't fit into the whole thirteen thousand year Clovis uh, time. Uh, of right, of course, that was accepted. And you know, after you know she she was fired and couldn't get a, couldn't get another job for a while, you know. It was discovered that hey, you know what? She was right. <laughs> this has been here for yeah. for that long, you know. Because uh, and and one of the reasons, um, you know, scientists work on on you know work with grant money, and if you start throwing out crazy uh, crazy hypotheses, uh, you you probably won't get your grants. Oh, it, it's true. I mean, you look the leakies controlled what was approved and not approved in anthropology for decades right and if it didn't go along with uh lewis's or whoever's analysis of things and it was poo-pooed off and thrown away and dismissed and yeah it was all about protecting ego and it's still like that even when i was an archaeologist you still saw it out there yeah i read uh, i remember reading uh reading an article about uh, uh a discovery of an anatomically anatomically correct human footprint uh, that was dated, you know, hundreds of thousands of years uh, before yeah. anatomically correct humans were around, and you know, you know, Leakey's brushed it off because it didn't didn't fit into their timeline. Sure, because it's, it's easier to just brush it off than to be like, hmm, maybe I missed something, or wow, this is new evidence that changes everything, and being excited by it, and then adapting. God forbid, let's just squelch it. Well, because that, you know, in that case, it's it's partly it's it's ego driven, is what it is. Sure. This is going to change all of my ideas, so it can't be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
people. <laughs> this is why I play D&D and read books. Right. People are... <laughs> Except for your right. listeners who are the best. Hi. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I love my listeners. They're the best people. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I have listeners. That still shocks me to this day. <laughs> and they're not just friends from high school. It blows me away. Right. I mean, same here. You know, I get, uh, you know, I, I, I got a notice of a, of a review of my, of, uh, so you had to build a time machine from, mm -hmm. uh, you know, an English reader. And I'm like, people read me in England. That's <laughs> wow. I, I know. I'll see that. I had a, a listener in Portugal, England, Chile, wherever. I'm just like, how? Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm so thankful, but how? Yeah, the the internet, um, you know, frustrates me on so many levels. But oh yeah, as a as a communication tool in in that regard, it's it's beautiful. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. Now I believe we talked about this on on Rose Show, so we'll, I wanted to briefly mention it here. Was the Missouri Night People, and uh, I I told a story on there that when I was living up in Maine. There was this weird town we found, and during the day there was it was like Salem's Lot. There was nothing but a dog in every picketed, fenced yard, and you saw no people, nothing going on. And then at night we'd be there at like three in the morning, and kids are riding their bikes and playing ball, and the the weird clapboard church in the center of town was all lit up, and people are moving all around. And the the church had all these sayings scrawled all over the clapboard, and it was like "Year of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father, you will do." And so we didn't go back there again. But uh, <laughs> it was so strange. But it reminded me of your story of the Missouri night people. Right. Yeah. Um, this would have been back in the early '60s, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Um, mm -hmm. A uh, a guy named uh, named Vern Windsor, um, who's actually yeah I didn't say this on Rose Show, but he's actually a cousin of mine. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, he he told me this story. Um, I hope it was okay for me to print it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> of when he was a kid, he he you know like most kids, they don't want to just go to bed and go to sleep. Right. No, when it's their bedtime, yeah, I, I don't want to go to sleep. So, you know, he'd go in and, and uh, mom would tuck him in and, you know, give him a kiss and, you know, shut the door. And he'd get up and he would uh, found one night that there were people outside. So he'd just, you know, sit by the window and watch them. And they would, you know, be going in and out of houses. They'd be mowing the yard, even though he, right. he couldn't hear the lawnmower. You know, there'd be like a couple pushing a baby stroller down the street. Um and and he figured that these were, you know, to his young mind, you know, five, six years old, that yeah. they lived in these houses at, and they came out at night. They were night yeah. people and that Vern and his family and everybody he knew, they were the day people because they went out during the day. You know, right. they shared the same spot. Uh, the one thing that was different and, and it didn't really bother him that much because, you know, he was so young, was, was their eyes. He said that they were, um, you know, like like fish eyes. Big, big bulbous fish eyes. Hmm. And um, so he just would watch the night people. And and one night when he was when he was sent to bed uh, and he was watching them, there were a couple of kids playing in his yard and he wanted to go out there and play with them so badly. And, and he knocked on the window and the kids and one of the adults looked up 
and saw him looking at them. And then, then all of a sudden everything went blank and hmm. he woke up the next morning on the floor and, and he didn't feel it feel so well. And he, he didn't see them, you know, anymore after that. Um, to me, uh, and this is just, you know, guessing, guessing out of here, out here. But I mean, a lot of this sounds like, you know, alien abduction sort of thing. Sure. Especially when he, uh, when he was an adult, he, he got a bloody nose and he took out his handkerchief and blew his nose and what looked like a, uh, about the size and shape of a Tylenol capsule. Oh, wow. But it, it looked chrome. It was chrome popped out of his nose into the, into oh, my the handkerchief. And, and he, you know, he poked on it and it, it melted. It just, it just oh. melted and evaporated away. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, all, all of that to me, you know, kind of, kind of got the stink of an alien, of alien abduction type scenario. Yeah, absolutely. You know, cause we, we will hear, um, uh, you know, abductions where, where people, you know, reported seeing, you know, large rabbits or owls or deer right, with these huge, huge eyes and. You know, and then later under and under hypnosis, it turns out that you know what they really saw was a was a gray and you know sure I, yeah, which oh my you know, all this kind of bothers me because that that was my hometown. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then you never saw them either, or no, I sure never did. I never did. Uh, speaking of aliens, I'll I'll kind of jump around a little bit since we're still talking a little bit of Missouri. Um, You've mentioned before a UFO crash in 1941 that it happened, and uh, I believe it in, that there was a priest in, or minister involved that was actually praying over Greys. Right. It yeah, 1941 uh, between Sykeston and Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is in the far uh, southeast part of the state. Um, yeah, uh, a, a woman a few years ago came out saying that her grandfather on his deathbed told this story and she wanted to get it out. He had, he, he had to promise the government he was to, that he would never tell it. And he was scared to tell it, but right. on his deathbed, you know, why not? And he was called out to what would he, he, they told him was a plane crash. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were some people, the dead, you know, there were some bodies there that he needed to pray over. And, and he went out there and, um, sheriff's department was there. Fire department was there. And the military was there, uh, along with some uh, people that he later found out were, were FBI. And hmm. what he saw was not an airplane, and the bodies were not human. They were, uh, you know, what we what we would call call grays. Well, he sure said his prayers and and was told not to, you know, not to talk about it. And this this story kind of made it made its rounds on on the internet, uh, you know, a number of years ago. Um, but then I found somebody, a woman named Linda Wallace, who was writing a book on this. Um, her father was a member of the Army Air Corps. And this being 1941, the, the Air Force didn't exist until 1947. It was just part of the Army. And there was a base in South Missouri not too far from where this crash happened. And and she really didn't know her father too too well because he died when she was young. So she wanted to to find some people who knew him, and she went to these old folks' homes. That's not the PC way to call them. These rest I know. <laughs> senior care facilities. Senior care facilities. There you go. <laughs> but at, at 
different ones. She she found a person, uh, a man in his in his eighties, and which this was ten, fifteen, twenty years ago, um, who knew knew her father, who'd, who'd been stationed there and just stayed living, and and both of these gentlemen told her about the crash and you know independently told her about about the crash and and this you know fascinated her so she started digging into it and, and what she found was the for that year the sheriff's department records the fire department records the army's records and the local newspaper um files from from that year had all been taken to a warehouse in St. Louis to be stored huh. and the warehouse burned. <laughs> Which top men. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. But I mean this really, you know, corroborated the uh the the pastor's granddaughter's story about this this happening. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I Missouri stranger and people understand. Lost cultures, UFO crashes. Yeah, we got but, uh, we've got time travel. We've got everything here. Yeah. Um, one of the other phenomenons that people hear about a lot is the Thunderbird phenomenon, or pterosaurs versus pteratorns. Now, what is the difference between those two? Uh, a pterosaur is uh, your pterodactyl. Pteratorn uh, mm-hmm. was lived uh, during the you know. Pleistocene, the Pliocene type era, uh, you know, during the uh, the Ice Age. And, gotcha. And these um, were a lot like uh, condors, except they, you know, had, you know, they were the size of uh, of, a, of a small pl- airplane. They were sure. huge birds. And with both of these, uh, you know, the ones that supposedly became extinct. 65 million years ago and the ones that supposedly became extinct 10,000 years ago, there have been sightings all across the United States of, of both of these. The, um, the pterosaurs mostly in, in the Southern part and, and the Thunderbirds, the pteratorns, mostly Northern. Uh, hmm. I think one of the best cases, uh, this is maybe 2012, a, uh, pilot of a, of a small two seater plane, in in Alaska was was flying and he thought another plane was pulling up beside him and when he looked over it was a bird. Oh wow! And it was the size of his plane and and it flew next to him for a while before veering off and you know disappearing over a mountain. Um, yeah, That's, he's right up there in the air with it. It's not like you're going. Well, could it have been something else? There's nothing else there. No, yeah, right. Exactly. You know, you know a feather versus a Cessna wing. Right, and <laughs> you know, there's a huge difference. It's not like you you saw it. Oh, I saw it. It was about a you know a hundred yards away. No, this was right yeah. there. Right there. Now, was that the same as the Van Meter monster? No, the Van Meter in Van Meter, Iowa. Um, uh, this monster I... more resembled uh, a pterodactyl uh, type creature, mm-hmm. except for. It, it apparently had a light in the middle of its head, oh, as one does. As well, yeah, as one does. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> um, it would it it had uh, terrorized uh, terrorized the, the town of Van Meter uh, to the point that the the townspeople I mean they, they shot at it a number of times and, and didn't end up 
doing anything to it. Yeah. But they they followed it, and uh, it had it was living apparently in a uh, in an old old abandoned coal mine, and huh. it landed. You know, they followed it, and it, and it and it landed at the mouth of this, and a second one came out, and they everybody this whole the, the townspeople had guns and started unloading. And they backed into the uh, backed into the cave and and they uh, you know stacked a whole bunch of wood up in front of it and lit it on fire hoping to to choke it to death. Burn it! Yeah. Burn it with fire! <laughs> and God, humans and are that's the, best. the last uh, last anybody ever saw of it. And and as far as I know, that, that you know skeletons or anything were were never never found in yeah. the in the cave. Fascinating. Yeah, I was pretty interesting too. And I, I can't even imagine. I we have a lot of uh, great blue heron here in Delaware, where I am. So if I'm out hiking and I'm around a pond or something like that, you're bound to see blue heron, and they're huge. I mean, I'm only five six, and they're like three fourth my height. Yeah, so though, they're, there are a lot of really large birds. Have you ever been up close to a, a bald eagle? Uh, just recently, uh, they've come back really strong here in Delaware, and. I was driving down a back road and there was one sitting on a fence and I didn't want to pull up too close and scare it. You know, I'm just like, look, it has its right to be there. I didn't want to pester it, but they're, yeah, they're huge. Their claws are the size of my hand, if not yeah. bigger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those birds are uh, deceptively enormous. Oh, they are. And we have a pileated woodpecker, which I didn't even know was a thing till I saw this giant three foot tall bird. I'm like, what is that? It looks like a giant woodpecker. Oh, it's a giant woodpecker. <laughs> well, the, the 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 great blue heron was, I mean that that, that that's a common um, you know thing that that people have said about um, um, you know Mothman. Sure. Which I mean, given given their size, I can I can see that. And then that's about where it ends. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. it is large, but it just it doesn't have that presence that. I would imagine Mothman was, and now it's so kind of bogged down in a portent. You know what is? Oh, it's, it's, I saw there was a Mothman sighting. What what terrible thing is going to happen now? So he's become this boogeyman. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, the uh, uh, the movie didn't help. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So one of the one of the creepiest things. At least to me, I don't know what it is, but even beyond shadow people, which we will get to, the, one of the creepiest things you've written about is black-eyed kids. Right? Yeah, I had, um, I wrote about them fairly early on um, when people were just starting to talk about this, uh, you know, the, the, the black-eyed kids, and and I stopped after a while because they were just too creepy, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's. One of the one of the problems is, you know, about, you know, if Bigfoot creeps somebody out, you know, don't go to the forest. Right. You know, if you're right about a lake monster, yeah, don't go on the boat. But yeah. black-eyed kids can appear anywhere. Anywhere. Now, for those who don't know, that the black-eyed kids is, say you're sitting at the grocery store. Maybe your spouse went in to pick up milk or something. And then you get this weird foreboding as these kids approach now i know a lot of the a lot of the stories they seem to be dressed out of sync with 
what would be normal. So maybe they're dressed kind of 1800s or even 50s or 40s, but they're always, is that true? They always seem to be a bit kind of out of sync in the way they dress. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and sometimes, yeah, it's like, you know, this girl was wearing a dress from the 1920s. Uh, yeah. I, I interviewed a guy who um, was in Pittsburgh. He said weird things in Pittsburgh. There it is. He uh, had was visiting a friend of his. And uh, when he went out to his car, a couple of kids approached him and they were wearing clothes that, uh, you know, had a sports team on them, sports mm-hmm. logos. And this team hadn't existed for 20 years, and the clothes look the the hat and the and the jackets look brand new. Weird. Yeah. And then of course the the piece de resistance is you eventually notice that there's no sclera, no pupil, just the entire eyeball is black. Right. Yeah. The people tend um, um, to feel a little bit, you know, apprehensive when they're approached yeah. by these kids. Uh, and they really don't know why. Um, and the kids are, you know, they, they generally talk a lot more maturely than, than they should for their ages. And the, the kids always want something, you know, please let me inside your house so I can call my mom or give me a right here. Um, and, and you feel sort of inclined to do it. You, you know, like you're going into a little bit like they're hypnotizing you or something. Right. And, and then that's when you notice the, the eyes are completely black, you know, a shark's eyes. Um, right, right, right. And I, uh, interviewed quite a few people about, I did a, I wrote an article about this a number of years ago. Um, because you know, drugs can, can make your pupils big, you know, sure. whether prescribed or, or, you know, illicit. Right. And and I talked to uh, you know a pharmacist and, and a biochemist about this and there's no drug that can make your you know pupil whole eye do the whole eye. Uh, yeah. There are some uh, defects that cause the pupils to be big and the irises to be small, but it doesn't you know cover the whole eye. Um, so you know the natural reasons there there really aren't any. And so I went to uh, I went to Hollywood you know mm-hmm. went that route about. The, the 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 contacts uh, contact lenses uh, because you know I mean, people have brushed it off oh there's kids playing a joke they bought these contact lenses that cover the you know cover the whites sure and um, the things this is back probably eight nine ten years ago they cost about three hundred dollars per eye you right. had to get a prescription for them and I interviewed a guy who who went through all that and bought a pair for you know really really expensive halloween costume right and said they pop out like every 15 minutes and they yeah. are really uncomfortable to put in so i cannot imagine a seven seven to 14 year old kid taking the time no. to do that no i when my kids were that age it was hard enough to get them to put on a coat <laughs> let alone oh let's put in these incredibly elaborate sclera contacts in our eyes it never happened right never happened so i, I think these, oh yeah go ahead yeah well no but so so these entities i mean i i, I tried to cover co- cover my 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 bases on on the realistic scientific type end and and got no no good no good answers um yeah so I mean, let's let's look at at the other end, and and I talked with um, you know an, an exorcist, <laughs> a mm-hmm. Catholic priest. I talked with uh, 
uh, you know, some people from uh, from other religions. And, and uh, you know, these these entities, they said, are, um, you know, demonic type creatures. All of them agreed with that. Yeah. Yeah. But really, what are they? I, I got an email once that uh, I was too, really too scared to really respond to of a guy saying that he was one and his people. Uh, live amongst us, and that uh, they're the uh, they're the descendants of uh, of the serpent from uh, from Genesis. That's kind there's, of what I got out. There's of. that. Yeah. I now after 2020, I, I who knows? <laughs> right. I uh, you never know. I'm expecting know what, uh, Stephen King's The Mist to come in any time. Oh, I know because I feel like I've been in the Langoliers for eight months. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! Not one of the uh, one of the early, if not the first, uh, reports of the Black Eyed Kids, I believe, came from was he a journalist? It was David Krabs. Oh the, uh, no, Brian Bethel. Brian Bethel, that's right. That was the first one. Yeah, yeah. He's a journalist or something? Yeah, he's a reporter in uh, in Texas. That's um, right. And Texarkana or something. So I I don't re- no I think yeah I El Paso. Like, Abilene, maybe Abilene. That's what it was. Yeah, he um, he was um, one night after work because you know at a, at, a, at a daily paper, uh, your deadlines are like midnight. Sure. To get the paper out the next day, so it was after midnight, and he he went uh, he was on his way home, and he stopped by a strip mall, and was writing out a check to to pay his his cable bill. The cable office was in this strip mall, and they had a night deposit box. And he, um, as he was writing out the check, he noticed that, you know, a movement out of his corner of his eye. He had the window rolled down about an inch, and he looked over, and there was a kid about 16 years old wearing a hoodie. And there was a kid about 14, a few steps behind him, wearing a hoodie. And and, and the one kid did all the talking, and he was like, sir, uh, my friend and I were going, we were, we were going to watch, and he named the movie, we're going to watch this movie, and uh, we don't have any money. Would you please take us to uh, my mother's house so I can get, get the money so we can watch the movie? And and Brian, and I interviewed him about this. Um, oh, wow. Years after, the, years after it happened. And he said he felt compelled to reach over, unlock the door, and let these kids in. But then he noticed the kids' eyes, and, and they were, you know, d- dead black. Yeah. And and that scared him and, and you know, he took his hand away from the lock and then he looked over at the marquee and the movie this kid he said he wanted to watch had started forty five minutes before. Oh. And and he he was getting scared. Um sure. and, and the kids started getting more insistent, more insistent, <clears throat> and then he then he noticed that the fourteen year old had positioned himself on the other side of the car. You know, like Oh, like dear. predators would do. Sure. A, yeah, a clever girl. And he uh, he just got scared and tore the hell out of there. Uh, As I would. Yeah. <laughs> and and when he looked in his rearview mirror, he there wasn't anything. Nobody and he there was no place these kids could have gone. Um and he said he still lives there, still works at the paper. And he mm. said every time he drives by that that place, um he still gets the chills. Yeah, it's uh, there. I've heard reports from Iraq that uh, soldiers have had uh, encounters with them. Um, 
But I don't think that we've ever had a single report where someone actually said, yeah, I let him in and this is what happened, which is even more disconcerting. Right. Well, I had somebody, um, I don't remember who it was. I was interviewing somebody about this and they said maybe these cases where normally healthy people uh, are just found dead right. in their homes, you know, for no apparent reason, maybe they're the ones you let in the black eyed kids. Sure. Very possible. I I remember a story, and I couldn't find it to actually read it verbatim, and it was about an um, an elderly lady who lived on her own, and kids show up, they want to mow her lawn. So they, she's like, ah, oh, maybe I should let them. They want to come in and get a glass of water. And I guess she talks to her son, and the son's like, look, you don't know who they are, and if they're making you uncomfortable, don't do it. You know, don't answer the door, don't let them in. And she's like, well... You know, they're they're offering it cheap. Let them mow the lawn. And then he's just got a really bad feeling about it. So headed over to check things out and just found her dead in the house. Yeah, I, I got to look and find where I found that because I'd like to quote a source, but I haven't been able to find it yet. But probably on some mysterious universe episode from like 10 years ago. Yeah, but uh. It, black-eyed kids just creep me out. Luckily, I have not had that experience, though I have had a shadow person experience. And uh, we'll get into talking about that. I saw who I would lump in with Hat Man or Fedora Man at uh, my children's home. They live with their mom. I'm divorced. And uh, I was at there standing in a kitchen at the kitchen island, you know, talking to people and in a completely lit hallway where there'd be really no way to cast shadow unless you're floating on the ceiling. Just this pitch black emptiness of darkness, just in the shape of a man with a trench coat and a hat just meanders right across the hallway and vanishes. And this was all during a time where my kids kept complaining that stuff would turn on and off on its own and toys would move on their own and, then that, as soon as that happened with Fedora Man or Hat Man, everything seemed to stop. Hasn't had a issue since. It's weird. All right. Oh, I um, I, I wrote a book uh, called Darkness Walks. This came yes. out in 2009 uh, about shadow people, and and I looked into it uh, a lot, like I looked into uh, the Black Eyed Kids um, article I was telling you about. I interviewed religious experts and um i interviewed a couple of physicists about about this um because shadow people can walk through walk through solid objects but they can also manipulate solid objects like turning mm. a doorknob or or you know pushing pushing a, a picture off of a shelf or something like that right so i mean scientifically these things shouldn't shouldn't exist um, religiously, uh, I mean, they again fall, um, in, in Christianity fall in the demonic realm. And, um, the, the, uh, expert in Islam I interviewed said that, uh, you know, just right, just boom, they're, they're jinn. Yeah. And, uh, um, this Cherokee shaman I spoke with said that they are, and I don't remember what the name he told me for, but he basically said medicine man. Um, sure. Who used his uh, 
who, who used his his power, who used used it for greed and and bad purposes, and mm. that he's turned into something uh, something wicked. And and you know you can see him at Walmart, and he'll look like you know Joe, but yeah. he'll turn into a shadow entity um, huh. and, and torment you at night. So I mean, every place I turned, uh, these things um, you know had bad connotations going with them. With, there, there, see, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jason. I'm just saying with with all of the um, uh, the the people, I've got probably 200 250 interviews in that in that book, and and a lot of them are personal experiences, and and there are no no good personal experiences. None. No. And that's why I was surprised that mine was as benign as it was. He just kind of wandered by, and then I spent the next hour trying to debunk it and couldn't recreate it. Couldn't. It was bizarre. It was unnerving. I think I actually called a, a Rose Hotline for his show and be like, "You'll never believe this." <laughs> well, and that's the word benign. That, that's I, I gave different shadow shadow entities a um, uh, you know put them in a ca- put them in categories, and that's one of the categories is benign shadow beings. Yes, because I, I saw shadow beings when I was a kid and. They didn't take any notice of me. They just walked through Mm-mm. my room and yeah. out the hallway. And those are the majority of the cases. And, you know, trying to figure out what, what the hell could this be? Uh, yeah. you know, you know, it, it maybe, maybe when we see shadow entities, and this is, you know, explaining an unknown with another unknown, which I hate to do. I know, uh, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, John Keel called them window areas, areas where it's thin between worlds. Maybe, uh, you know, this is where where dimensions are starting to intersect, and those are just people, and all we can see is their shadow as they as they pass through. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and from what I understand, there's there's kind of two main categories overall of shadow people. You have the ones like we we've been talking about that kind of just come in, they're doing their own business. They don't really interact. And then there's the watchers. Who are the watchers? Well, the, the watchers are called that because that's what they do. Um, yeah. I'll, 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 you know, give you, give you an example by, uh, of a story. There was a, a student at my university. Her name's Katie. Um, she came to me and was like, Jason, we've got this, you know, I, I got this problem going on in my room. Um, a friend of hers would, would come over and always said that he, he felt like something was watching him. He always felt yeah. like he was being watched. Uh, even when he went to the bathroom at the end of the hall, he said he, he went in there one night and he knew he was alone, but he heard a zipper pull down. Oh. And there's nobody else in there. But right. she, she was feeling it, you know, feeling it too in her room. She, she lived alone, uh, in her dorm room and her, she would often hear her laptop squeak as it opened and closed while she was in Mm. bed and she would often wake to see um and and it was light enough in her in her room because she said she kept her blinds open and there were you know uh lights outside so it was plenty light in her room but she would wake and see a black silhouette uh, of a man looming over her bed and the thing is that she had a loft which was about six feet tall right so whatever this thing was looming over her bed 
was couldn't just horrible. be standing there. Yeah. Um, oh. And and that's but that's all it did. And and that's what these right. shadow entities that that watch. I mean that that's all they do. Uh, and and sometimes when they're noticed, it it they seem to be freaked out by it. I I, yeah. I was talking with a guy. He said he when he was eighteen. He was at home. He was at home alone, and he was sitting in the living room, and he, you know, felt uncomfortable and looked over, and in in the kitchen um, doorway, there was just a black shadow entity standing there, mm. watching him, and and by watching him, uh, people never report seeing face their face. They, they can't right. just, um, you know, like the back of a fridge magnet. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, of course, that scared him. But he said the shadow entity looked surprised that it had been seen, and it turned around and ran into the huh. kitchen, and and he heard a you know glass break, so he got yeah. up and went in the kitchen, and he saw the this shadow being run across the back deck, and they the house was new, the deck had just been built, they didn't have stairs yet, and it was like about a fifteen foot drop, but the shadow yeah. being just ran off the back of the deck. And disappeared, and and hmm. the glass broken. He went and looked at at the sliding glass door that was double pane. The first right. pane of glass was busted. The second second pane was not. Oh my goodness! That's a, I have this weird. I won't even call it a theory because I don't know enough to make a theory on anything. But this idea of what if these watchers and the ones that can kind of interact is connected to either time travel or dimensional travel if we found a way to time travel but didn't want people messing up continuums or causing issues maybe they can only exist in this weird sort of partly in partly out dimension well i mean that's that's you know as credible as the uh you know the window area explanation absolutely i mean with with something like this Everything, everything's on the table. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what makes it so fascinating is you can sit there and speculate. Now, along with shadow people, and I, I lump a lot of these all into the same kind of category, even though they probably shouldn't be. But you have people like Fedora and Hatman, uh, Stickman. I think one is Skinned Man or Burnt Man, something like that, where people are seeing this guy that has no skin it's just like the guy from hell beginning a hellraiser and so it's these bizarre kind of entities like this that just fascinate me well one of the things that that i came up with after you know uh, putting my while i was putting my book together was that i think that these shadow entities are different things a number of different types of entities mm-hmm. that just happen to look the same that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and we we've got this we got we got this in nature. I mean, there's convergent evolution. We've got sure, uh, you know, dogs, uh, you know, canines and 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 felines that live, uh, you know, on opposite sides of the world, but they both live in the same environment and they basically look like the same animal. But sure. Um, so I I, I kind of think that's that's the same with with shadow beings. Um, the, the the thing is, uh, I separate them mainly by by their behavior. Um, right. So the 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 watchers, I think, might be yeah these time or interdimensional type 
type entities or, or, or actual people, but that's all we can see of them. Others tend to behave like residual ghosts. You know, I've, I've had people report to me that, oh, I'll, you know, be sitting in my chair in the living room and, and I'll see something out of the corner of my eye and I'll look and this shadow entity walks down the steps and turns the corner and goes into the kitchen. And this happens every mm. once in a while, you know, and that's it. It disappears yeah. in the kitchen. That sounds like a residual ghost. And Exactly. Yeah. And, and if ghosts, you know, would need energy to manifest, maybe that's all the energy they can they can come up with. They can come up with at that time. Yeah, that makes good sense, too. Yeah, and, and there, there are also shadows that have red eyes, and the ones with red eyes mm. tend to, I think, fit more into that gen or demonic uh, category right. uh, because they the people who encounter them report not just the regular fear um, that I felt when I was a kid when I saw a shadow being, but of like, like the fear that, that it's being generated by the yeah. entity itself, and the entity is feeding off of that emotion. So, I mean, that is a behavior that, you know, is completely different than the, than the other ones. And, and then yeah. the last one, and, and this is a, um, uh, I, I spoke with, uh, with, uh, with, a, with a Hopi, um, um, expert, a professor, um, I can't remember what university he was in, but, um, he told me when I talked about these entities and he said, yeah, there's, there's, you know, uh, for, for the Hopi, um, they are uh, omens, omens of, of death for telling for telling. Wow. And I've, you know, I, I interviewed a couple of people uh, who were this was was true. A, a woman I worked with actually, she knew I was interested in this this topic. This was before I ever wrote the book, and and um, she said she kept seeing a shadow shadow figure out of the corner of her eye. And and that didn't bother her until she started seeing it more head on, right? And and then when she could see it head on standing in front of her, uh, her husband got diagnosed with uh, esophageal cancer and he died soon afterward. And oh wow! She never saw the the shadow entity again. Huh. Now I wonder when I saw mine. I never really documented exactly when that was. I should have put it on a calendar and. That's interesting. Now I have to see if I can look back and see if I have a record anywhere of when that actually happened, what year that was. Yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm really big on on telling people that if they encounter something paranormal, yeah, do that. Write down yeah. when it was, what time, where you were, what what was your emotional state at the time. Uh, you know, all of that information because uh, that might help answer questions later. Absolutely. Yeah. That's an absolutely good advice. And that's what I should have done. And, uh, I'll have to bug Roe, see if he has phone records from back then, but I don't even know how those internet phone things work. I'm so behind, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I read reports that sound seems to scare off shadow people. Well, and yeah, that's, that's something that, that I also address. Um, and, and it doesn't seem to just be you know, sound like, you know, get an air horn. Um, right. But it seems to be um, positive sound like singing or laughing or, or prayer. Uh, these things right. s seem to, to drive shadow entities away. That's and then that's advice. I mean, I've heard that from enough people who've told me that, you know, this entity kept bothering me and I started praying and it went away or I just started yeah. laughing for some reason and it, and it left that, 
you know, I oh. felt comfortable enough saying, well, you could try this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's and bizarre. That's, it bothers me. I get people contacting me. Um, you know, Jason, I've got this, this, pro, this paranormal problem. What should I do? I, I'm a journalist. I <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Don't they have how common household items that they can fight a shadow person with? You know what? I, I didn't do that chapter. I should have. <laughs> Another great book. When you're out there buying a whole bunch of Jason's books, which you should do immediately, one of his one he has this great book, and it's called uh, it's fighting monsters yeah. with common household. Yeah, how to, how to kill monsters with common household items. That's and, right. And it's designed that, you know, if you're sitting at home in your easy chair watching TV and all of a sudden a werewolf breaks in to your house, what do you do? Well, That's right. always have a cat around. Those are called huh. werewolf distraction devices. <laughs> you just pick up a cat, throw it at the werewolf, and you, uh, you know, got plenty of time to go grab something silver. <laughs> Poor Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Missouri, um, I, you've told a couple of stories that I absolutely love, and one of them was about Rooster Cogburn at uh, oh. was it in Long Jack? Lone Jack, yes. Lone Jack, yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, uh, John Wayne's character, uh, Rooster Cogburn, uh, the one with the eye patch. He lost his eye at the Battle of Lone Jack, Missouri. It was um, Lone Jack is is a small town uh, just east of uh of kansas city missouri um for for those of you out there who aren't sure kansas city the main part is in missouri um missourians get really weird about that do they yeah <laughs> anyway there was there was a really big uh big battle during the civil war uh the downtown area you know switched hands back and forth from union to, to confederate back you know um Lots of I don't remember the exact number of people, but there were a lot of a lot of soldiers got killed on both sides. The uh, the the streets were lined with bodies of humans and horses that that got shot. Mm. And uh, there's uh, there were there was the, the battlefield was preserved for a long time. Um, and, and I talked with uh, you know one of the one of the docents who who works works there who volunteers there, and and he was telling me that that. Often people would report and would, you know, call up one day and say, you know, last night I was driving by the battlefield and and there were uh, campfires. You know, was was there a reenactment going on that we didn't know about? And no, there there wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, and and this guy started, uh, you know, driving intentionally driving by there at night. And every once in a while he'd see a campfire. And when he'd park the car and go out to take a look at it, it would disappear. There's nothing there. Hmm. Um, and, and he was telling me once that, uh, he was, they, they did have, they do have reenactments and, and he was at one and a, a friend he knew from, you know, who does these and he doesn't see very often, uh, was supposed to come to this reenactment and, and he was getting ready for, for bed, to, you know, to go inside his tent and, and he saw what looked like his buddy on horseback riding across a ridge and he thought, oh, yeah, well, he's, he's here. I'll see him in the morning. And and when he got up, he started asking around, and the guy hadn't shown up yet. And he looked over to where the ridge was, where the horse had gone over, and it was cut through because Interstate 70 goes there now. Oh, wow. So what he saw was 
uh, you know, the ridge hadn't existed for, you know, 40 years. Uh, he was looking at what it was like when, when the war was going on. And um, the one thing about the battlefield, and this really upset a lot of people in, in the area of the, you know, Civil War people or historians in general, that uh, a lot of the battlefield got, got sold uh, to a housing development. Uh, of course. Yeah, and hey, um, I talked with a man who his family lived in one of the houses and they moved. Brand new house, was living there, and he saw his son one day playing jacks. And he was like, how the heck, how do you know how to do this? And the guy said, right. the kid said, well, you know, the, the man who, the man in the basement showed me how to do this. <laughs> Which is just, just what you want to hear. Right. That's exactly what a parent wants to hear. It's the, and, uh, the who? He asked the kid, the you know, to describe the man. And um, the kid described it and he looked up, a you know, a, a picture of, of what a union officer looked like. And the kid was like, yeah, he looks like that. Oh, my goodness. They didn't live there too long. No, <laughs> I guess not. Oh, my goodness. I, one of my favorite stories from Gettysburg was that Gorbachev, when he came his first time in America, he wanted to see Gettysburg. So I guess they were near there or they were somewhere, and they're like, well, let's take him over and drive through it. So, oh, here come the excavators again. I don't know if you can hear that. But uh, So they drive through Gettysburg when all of a sudden the, the motorcade kind of circles itself and speeds their limo out of there and they're like what is going on and they're like well i they're not no one let us know that they were going to do a reenactment so we didn't know to trust it and we couldn't get a hold of rangers so they came out contacted the rangers and they're like we don't have any reenactment what what are you talking about and they're like there was this whole regiment of armed men moving across the area and i forget what area it was i'm thinking it was the uh, valley of death which is just below uh, Devil's Den, and uh, they're like, no, they're, one, there's no one, no weapons allowed without having them registered, and there's no reenactors here today doing anything like that because of you guys coming through. So they believe that they actually saw the Phantom Regiment. Now, when I hear things like this, is it, and you know, the the guy in the basement, are these things ghosts or right. did a time slip? That's more what I attribute it to, that it's just this bleed, this bleed through of time. Right. And if it's if they're ghosts, they don't, that doesn't bother me. If it's a time slip, they're they're armed. <laughs> right. Exactly. Me. And can it affect us now? You know, if they fire. So it's yeah, that's bizarre and creepy. It's right up my alley. I love bizarre. I know. <laughs> I know. That's why I started this show <laughs> to find more bizarre and creepy. And uh, gonna look to try and start doing some video for the show too. They're gonna need a better looking host. I was just but, thinking. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, glad you're not doing that now. I, I know. <laughs> oh my god! I know. I should be the cameraman, not the person <laughs> on film. God. But now I've had you on for about an hour now, so I want to definitely give you a chance to uh, plug what you're doing now and your your site and let people know. All right. Well, yeah. Um, my uh, yeah, you, you gave my website out earlier. It's uh, mm -hmm. 
Jason Offit, O-F-F-U-T-T dot com on there. I've got links to all my books. I've got, um, uh, I, I've got, uh, I, I post articles that, uh, that, that I've written on, you know, everything from, from writing, uh, you know, writing, uh, advice to, um, you know, humor pieces. Uh, I'll throw an occasional short story up there for people. Um, my books, I've, I've got 16 of them. Uh, five of them are in the paranormal realm. Um, either on shadow people, uh, ghosts, Bigfoot, um, or, you know, the, my, my monster book, uh, chasing American monsters, yes. which, uh, was a heck of a lot of fun to research. I go, and that, I go, that one's so much fun. Cause it, that's the one that goes state by state. Yep, that's exactly, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Alphabetically state by state. And I, I try to cover, uh, try to cover the monsters in those states. But other books are, um, you know, I've got a travel book, uh, Couple of humor books, the uh, you know the the parody survival guide, uh, you know uh, how to kill monsters uh, with common ho- household items, and, I, and I've got five novels up there too. So the newest one being, so you had to build a time machine. Absolutely, so much fun, and uh, definitely check out Jason's books. He has a great writing style, and you're gonna have so much fun when you're reading them and. Chasing monsters, if you want to know what you should be scared of in your neck of the woods, definitely pick up Chasing Monsters. Jason, thanks you for, thank you for hanging out with us today. Stick around after I hang up here, and uh, we'll chat a little bit more. And right. I'll see everybody else on the other side. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been fun. Fear is a strange thing. We as humans get scared of things that don't even exist. But we even get scared by real things or even other people. Join me, Christian Gonzalez, as we talk about the lore and legends that have haunted generations all over the world, and even the villains and crimes that are lurking amongst us, here on the Monsters of History. Hey everybody! Well, that was a good time. I love Jason. He's uh, he's so well versed in so many of the weird things that I love. Yeah, you know, black-eyed kids is just so creepy. And yes, they are still grinding up parking lot. I have no idea what's going out on outside of there. I've edited out some of it, and you're still going to still probably heard some of it, and that's the best I can do. Of course, they would pick today, Friday the 13th, to tear up a parking lot. But, uh, yeah, good times. Uh, already have the show booked for next month, and uh, you're going to love that one, too. Also, very strange. Not, not quite as creepy, but a little creepy, but definitely strange. I won't give anything away, because... Seems to jinx it if I put out there who's going to be on the show. But, uh, yeah, here we are, surviving. Got through the election, sort of, kind of, if. So I, whoever you're for, you know, let's just try and get along and uh, hope for some better times. Uh, COVID's picking up here in America, and uh, it's, hopefully we can get that under control. But in the meantime...
There's always my show and plenty of others out there to keep you going. If we ended up quarantined again, you know, we'll try and keep you entertained out there. But uh, thank you for listening. Uh, there's been quite a new listeners in all different countries from uh, Portugal to England, France, Germany. So I, I thank you all from the bottom of my heart for listening to my little show here and uh, super thankful for you guys. And uh, I apologize for America. But thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, I'll be back soon. And uh, We'll have some more fun. Now I sound like Mr. Rogers. All right, everyone. Have a great day.